Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Colter, obviously, if people are traveling, you got to have them stay somewhere else, not with you. That's true even when COVID isn't going on, and especially now. So you send them out to the Wingate. We know that. That's obvious. What you might not know is about all the meeting space they have out there, convention space, and even personal office space, because God knows I can't stand being with you any much longer. I'm going out there. I'm going to lock up my own personal office at the Wingate. You can do the same thing. If you need a business space, whether it's for yourself personally or or you're just tired of doing Zoom meetings, you just want to see other humans, but you want to be socially distanced, the Wingate has great business meeting rooms. You can space out. They have all the hookups and technology you're going to need for any sort of meeting or presentation. Or if you're like Ryan, you just want to have a place where you can work in peace and quiet, the Wingate Inn also a great option for those that live and work around Western Montana and the city of Missoula. If you have anybody coming through town or you want to get your kids out of the house, Wingate also has awesome rooms, great business rates. The pool is back open. They've done a great job of making sure that's be safe for you and your family. The Wingate Inn, located in Missoula, it's an excellent option for business travelers, local business people, or anybody coming through the city of Missoula. Let the Wingate Inn make you feel at home even when you're not. Special January promo going on by the Wingate by Wyndham right now as well. If you stay two nights in January of 2021, you get a free growler and a fill card for Big Sky Brewing. Big Sky Brewing just right across the way from the Wingate. So if you book, all you got to do is book through the hotel directly. Google Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula, limited to one freebie per customer, but stay two nights, January 2021, free growler and fill card from Big Sky Brewing, and tell them Nuana's Now sent you. This is the one we should have played for Austin to tell. Yeah, did you ever have a friend in your life, Riley, where as you're growing up, like music is such a formative thing when you're a kid, right? When you first hear a song, like you feel kind of risky when you're listening yep. to like the stuff that's not like what your mom listens to while she's cooking dinner. Austin Tutel, though, because Ryan is so much older than us, he's not that much older than us. I mean, he's he's only six years older than Austin and I. But when you're a kid, that's a lot. Uh, when he's 16, we're 10. When he's 18, we're 12. Like we're not even in middle school yet. So Ryan introduced us to so much music secondarily. And I remember when Austin brought the Offspring CD to the cafeteria in fifth grade. We were just like, dude, this is the craziest. 
This is the craziest. <laughs> this is so sweet. This is hardcore rock. We love. It. Is there any like impactful thing like that for you? Gosh, you know what? I will say this. Music I wish had more of like the impact, at least growing up, that um, it had on you. There wasn't like a one defining moment, at least for me, with that. But uh, when it comes to Austin and Ryan. You just ride those coattails regardless. Ryan Tutel probably taught you a ton about music. And it's ironic you have a CDs. How many of the CDs have you listened to? <laughs> oh, man. I've been rocking out to the audio slave. Been loving that. Been doing all the Rage Against the Machine as well. How I, many CDs, by the way? He probably gave me uh, 100. Jeez. That's great. If you don't know this about me, I'm a ridiculous collector. I collect certain things. That bring joy to my life. One of them would be albums, whether they're vinyls or CDs. The other thing is sports cards. My mother's going to kill me if I don't get all my sports cards out of her basement. I started this COVID project, <laughs> and uh, I just have so many cards. It's taking me forever, and I'm being very manic about the way that I'm organizing them. So it's been a lot more of a task than I thought it was going to be. But here and there, Mom, if you're listening, which I know you are because you're number one fan, uh, I will get those taken care of as soon as I possibly can. It's just that uh, we've been a little busy around here. Yeah. It is new on us now, 1029 ESPN, Missoula Statewide, SWX Montana Television. This day thing in the first hour, great first hour, like discussion about Jeff Choate, not necessarily from the Montana State perspective, but from the state of Montana, the Big Sky Conference perspectives, what his uh, departure from MSU to Texas means. Also shared our weekly Treasure State Stars. Give away some Tagliari sandwiches and uh, had Austin Tutel, Ryan's little brother, on the show uh, to break down Kobe Bryant, a little memorial for him as we celebrate or, I guess, mourn the one-year anniversary of Kobe Bryant's death. Podcast presented proudly by Blackfoot Communications and the Wayne Gate by Wyndham Hotel. It really, to me, now in hindsight, when you look at Kobe Bryant, the one-year anniversary, really, of his the tragic passing, that was kind of the start of this whole 2020 going downhill. I mean, that was the first no real question, bad man. event. And I think everything from there had been a trickle-down effect. So to me, and I know that this is a completely different area of it, but to me, the one-year anniversary, outside of just remembering Kobe Bryant, this is kind of the one-year anniversary of when everything went to, you know what? Hell in a handbasket. <laughs> yeah, That's exactly right. If you want to call us, text us, you can. 361-3688. 361-3688. All guests join us via the Rangish Brothers RV phone line. We should call it the Rangish Brothers RV text line. Another incoming text from a listener. This is from Kit right here in Missoula. What, if any, impact did Jeff Choate's departure in his mind impact MSU's decision to not play in the spring? If Choate wasn't leaving, do you think MSU's decision to play in the spring would have been different? Great um, question, by the way. Mutually exclusive events. Montana State had already opted out of the spring season or modified their spring schedule, as they say, uh, before Jeff Chilt left. That said, Sean Rainey, our colleague at SWX Montana Television, asked a great question to Chote during the press conference. He asked him, if the Big Sky would have played this fall, what impact would that have had on your decision? In the fall. Yeah, and, and, okay. said, and Chote said, quite frankly, regardless of playing or not, when you give somebody like me uh, – a full calendar year without coaching ball, I'm pretty restless. And I got a lot of people to talk to, and I'm talking to a lot more people than maybe I would if I was in the throes of a season. And so it definitely opened up some opportunities and some doors. I mean, he said, he said, I don't know if I'd be sitting here right now if it wasn't for that. But there's a lot of factors to it. It's not just him being restless and them not playing. It's not as if Choate was so mad that he had to leave because the fall didn't happen. It's more like 
if the fall would have happened, he would have been enthralled in the fall, so he would have not necessarily been able to be in as, as much contact with people. But also, though, who's to say they replicate last season? I mean, his stock was so high coming out of the last year. They finished number four in the country. They won 11 games. They went to the Final Four in the FCS playoffs for the first time in 35 years. Montana State's going to be really good this next year. But being that good is very hard. I mean, make it to the Final Four is very hard. It doesn't matter who you are. Well, I'm going to pose this question right back at you when, when it comes to the stock because that, to me, was the, the biggest point in all of this with Coach Choten. I know you agree to some level on that. My thing is, if you're Montana State, okay, and, and there's it would have been an 11-game season played in the fall, if they would have went 8-3, and three, and they would have lost to Montana by 20 at the end of the season. Does Jeff Is Jeff Choate's stock higher or lower than it was a year prior? Man, it's such an interesting question because this day and age in college football, it's just like in the NBA draft, you're very rarely drafted based on your already uh, your already established production. You're, based, you're, dra- you're drafted based on your potential. It's just like you could be the all-time greatest – statistical quarterback or the all-time greatest statistical running back in college football. And that doesn't mean you're a first-round pick if you don't run well at the combine. It doesn't mean that it's all about potential. Just the analogy then is in the coaching business, the uh, so much it's it's about who you are, who you know, and uh, who you can be. So in terms of Jeff Choate looking for a job where he's taking his resume and presenting it to an athletic director – that was never going to be the way that Jeff Choke got a big-time job. He was always going to get a big-time job based on the the men he's previously worked with and the man that he is. He almost got the Boise State job not because of his record whatsoever. No one in Boise cares that he beat Montana four times. No one in Boise cares that he won three playoff games. Nobody cares about any of that. The reason he was a finalist for the Boise State job is Chris Peterson was on the selection committee and said, we're interviewing that guy. That's it. And Choke interviews really well. The reason he's at Texas – his, his main dude, his right-hand man. Pete, I, I guess I should say Choate is Kwiatkowski's right-hand man because Kwiatkowski has absolutely established himself as one of the great defensive coordinators in college football. And Choate will be in there. You know, I mean, I, there's a hierarchy there. I think everybody, including both of those gentlemen, understand what that is. But Choate got the job because of who he is and who he knows, not what he's done. So, um, I don't know. I guess the uh, the fact of the matter is that if you stay too long at a place, especially a place like Montana State, it's not going to end in you moving on. And that's been what history has told us. I think another interesting point stemmed off that question from Kit. And again, it's a fascinating question because it's a lot. There's multi-layers to it. What if, because we can play hypotheticals, that's the, the fun of doing this show, right? Bobby Houck's not here. so yeah, Exactly. Shout out, Coach Houck. I, 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 I sometimes, I, uh, <laughs> sometimes Bobby is so funny. He's so, he's so um, dry. How do you say this? He's so dedicated to being, being himself. There you go. <laughs> but <laughs> there was a lot of questions of the cancellation of the spring season that we're dealing in hypotheticals. And finally, Coach Houck just said, hey, guys. It's unproductive to talk in hypotheticals. No one knows the answer, so it's stupid for me to waste my time giving you answers. Next question. And I love it. But we can talk in hypotheticals all you want. So, shoot, what do you got? Hypothetical would be if Montana and Montana State opted in for the spring. What would Montana State be doing right now? See, and that's – well, so here's the thing, though. I think if they would have opted in, though – so that is actually a great way to answer this question. If Montana State would have opted in and they were playing, I think Choate would have had an incredibly much, a way harder time leaving his guys. Completely. Money talks, opportunities talk, 
Texas talks, the brand talks, Gorkowski talks, all those things are would be hard to turn down under any circumstances. But if he was preparing to coach his team and his son, then I think it would have been a lot harder of a decision for him. I think the other thing is that he knew that he left Montana State in a good spot. This is the first time they're going to have a coaching search, a coaching hire, since they hired Mike Kramer in 2000, where the guy that they're trying to bring in is not replacing a guy who got fired. Cliff Heisel got sort of forced out into retirement, but it wasn't a firing. Whereas Kramer, I mean, that was a, you had to make a, a, a squeaky clean hire because Kramer had a disaster on his hands in Bozeman. When Ash was when Rob Ash was fired, you had to you had to uh, hire the Yang to Ash's Ying mm-hmm. because Ash had done what he had done. But you needed the other side. You needed the fire and brimstone, passionate leader. Now I think that the hire in a lot of ways is a lot easier. Because you're taking over a program that is coming off a semifinal berth. It's a really attractive job. I've got one more hypothetical because we got it. Okay, here it is. If they play in the spring and Jeff Choate still decides that the opportunity and the money's too big, he's got to go. Can I own next head coach? Wow, that's an interesting (laughs) one, too. This it's a great text because honestly my brain went three different angles right away and this is the other angle. Does it for the future of Bobcat football? How different would it happen? Because I. From the outside, and you're way more on the inside, obviously, than I am when it comes to this. But it would just you would assume that Kane Ione was the coach in waiting, and kind of in a way, just with I mean, being the defensive coordinator, having the ties that he did, the the passion, all the whole the whole package. Basically, it would have presented it where it was kind of scrambled together. We have to make a decision now. Of course, it's Kane. I think if Jeff Choke gets hired at Boise State, Kane Ione's the head coach of Montana State right now. Because there would have been a, a more systematic process that happened a couple weeks ago. One detail that's really important to understand here is in the state of Montana, for public jobs, jobs that are funded by the state, including the head coaches for the two Division One universities, it's it, it's illegal to just hire without opening the job up. You have to open the job up. It's a right to work state. It, 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 I, I I mean. That's the case at a lot of jobs. It doesn't even have to be a public job. You have to open the position up in a lot of different sectors. I mean, like this job, the the radio job. You have to open the job up. If I was going to hire you full-time, we would still have to open it up and have other applicants. So I think that's important to remember the timeline. But I do think that Choate, if you would have gone to Boise, the timing then would have worked where, I, I mean, maybe Choate takes Kane with him to Boise. But I think that because Choate, it was very clear to me I've known Kane Ione uh, as long as almost any coach in the league. The only real coaches I've known longer than Kane are Coach Halk and the guys that have been with him this whole time. But I know Kane a lot better because he's a way more similar to our age, my age. And you know, I, I had a social relationship with Kane too. We played city league hoops for years, and and uh, I you know I always just got along with Kane great. But it was very clear to me that. Coach Choate recognized that Kane Ione is very special in terms of his his um, his potential in the coaching business. I also think he realized that no matter how special Kane could have ever been, he was never going to go anywhere besides exactly where he was at unless he left. And Choate basically, like, I'm not going to say he made him leave, but I think that they had a real conversation where Choate was like, Kane, if you someday want to do any of these things, be it an FBS defensive coordinator or even be the head coach at your alma mater, you have to go get other ideas. You can't just be stuck in the Bobcat bubble. Because Kane had been at Montana State for 17 years. Man. 
even though he's not even 40 yet. Like, that's crazy. So, uh, on that note, then I think that Coach Choate was going to help Kane get whatever job he could. If that then was the best fit for Kane was to be the head coach of Montana State if Choate left for Boise, okay. It's clear to me, though, that once Andy Avalos was hired, Choate flipped and said, this is my best job reference. This is the guy you got to hire and and implemented him at Boise. And so you got to be proud and happy for Kane for that. Well, and the connection, I'm learning about this more and more of Choate and Kane, where if people thought that there wasn't a good relationship there, that's completely false. Because look at the two places that Kane went to grow as a coach. Exactly. Went to Washington. Heavy Choate influence exactly. there. And he went to Boise State, probably on a recommendation in some form or fashion sure. due to Jeff Choate. So well, that's and, and another point is remembering is, is Pete Kwiatkowski because Pete Kwiatkowski was the D.C. at Montana State when Kane played. Right. So they've actually been connected for longer than Choate and Kane have. So, the, you know, this is where the, the coaching circle gets so small. We're getting the text pouring in. We could continue talking about this forever. One text we just got, will Troy Anderson go to Bose, or go to Texas? I have no idea. To me, if he did, great opportunity for him. If he didn't, and if, but if he did, that would be a huge loss for the state of Montana. If he didn't, I think he'll obviously be uh, one of the best players in the country at this level. I'd be shocked. I would, I would, I would too. Shocked. I, I would too. Just, just knowing Troy, it's not that he can't play at that level. I absolutely think he can. Uh, I just don't think that he would leave his teammates. I mean, he's on—he's the chair of the players portion of the selection committee. He's going to get to pick his next head coach. That's the key in all of this, too. I mean, he's the—he's the face of the program. Yeah, absolutely. He, and, and he also, I think, he respects and understands the responsibility of that. Yeah. He has a mature head on his shoulders to where he—he he understands that he's part of something bigger right now, and that's why it would shock me even more. He can play at that level. Don't get me wrong; he could play at the Power Five level. Here's what we're going to do. We have a bunch of Cat Grizz basketball stuff to break down. We also have Anthony Knockrider coming up. I don't want to rob Anthony of his great Two times. Two days in a row. Come because, on, man. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a break, come back, talk Cat Grizz basketball, and then we're going to take another break and come back and let Anthony ride us off into the sunset. Nuan is now 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Back after this. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. Hey, welcome back. Nuana's now 1029 ESPN Missoula Statewide, SWX Montana Television. Anthony Knockrenner from KGEZ in Kalispell. He hosts the Knock on Sports every weeknight up there in the Flathead Valley. He'll be joining us here in about, oh, I'd say 13 minutes. We got a few things to get to. First, though, Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, joining me, Coulter Nuana's in studio. If you want to give us a call or shoot us a text, 361 3688, that's 361-3688. Uh, a ton of good u- uh, user, I should say. A ton of good listener and uh, viewer feedback today. Appreciate that. And yesterday, too. A lot of people reached yep, out. Yep, yep. I mean, it's a huge story. Montana State, Jeff Choate, heading to Texas. <laughs> Such a huge story that we spent three hours talking about it in the last two days, and we've talked hardly at all about the rivalry, it's freaking Cat Grizz this week. It's Grizz Cat. It's whatever you want to call it. I call it the rivalry game. But I want to talk a little bit about this men's matchup, Riley, because first of all, tease for tomorrow. Stu Morrill, former University of Montana men's basketball coach, will join us off the top of the show. And Mick Durham will join us uh, about the 5 o'clock hour. Mick Durham, the longest tenured coach 
in the history of the Cackers rivalry. Actually, he's at Montana State for 16 years. Had a lot of success there with the Cats as well. Great gets, by the way. Those are, I will be tuning in. Those guys were not just great coaches, though. They're just both both such great storytellers. Like what? I mean, what good guys, right? Like they're just totally. such good Montanans. Like they're just yes. great to talk to. So, uh, we'll be very excited to have them. Um, but this has been the first time in a long time that Montana State comes into this game ahead of Montana in the standings. It's almost usually right towards the middle or exactly in the middle of the conference schedule. And for all of Travis DeCure's career at Montana. He's been ahead of the Cats in the standings coming into this game. For pretty much all of Wayne Tickle's career, is the same thing. And pretty much all Larry Kostowiak's career is the same thing. It's been pretty much since 2002 when McDermott was the head coach of Montana State. Don Holtz is the head coach here at Montana. That uh, the Cats have had the upper hand, at least in the standings. So before we get into a couple of the um, individual um, and positional matchups of this, what do you think of that dynamic? The fact that, I don't know if it's pressure, but... And you can't necessarily call the Cats a favorite. And they haven't played like opponents. They haven't even played the same amount of conference games. But there is a zero in the loss column for the Cats. So does that influence uh, positively or negatively the way that Montana State prepares for this game? Oh, I think it absolutely does. I think that's the story in all of this is the pressure on Montana State. You come in as for the first time in a long time. I mean, 19 of the last 20 have went to the Grizz. That is very significant in the scope of a rivalry. And the one that didn't go to the Grizz, it took like one of the most superhuman efforts I've ever seen in my life. I mean, Tyler Hall was out of his mind. I've not, I, I mean, it's one of the five greatest individual basketball performances I've ever seen. The, the step back threes that he was, ba- I mean, banked one in. Banked I, one the, in. I mean, the, he he crossed Michael Logine, who's the best offensive player in the league, crossed him over and hit a 26-footer in his eye. At that moment, I was like, okay. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? Caught lightning in a ball. He could shoot with his eyes closed tonight. And that crowd, too. I mean, it, it was the perfect storm of everything. And give credit to the Cats that night for sure. But back to the question, for Montana State, it's all about the pressure leading into this. Are you ready to take the reins? And that might be very premature. And that might just be creating a storyline that might not be there yet because let's just see where the Cats are in the next three weeks. That's just reality. Coach Sprinkle has said, our next three weeks are brutal. You play the Grizz, Weber, and Eastern. Those are six tough games. But just from the perspective of being the favorite and being expected to win, I absolutely think it affects Montana State. And then from the Montana Montana angle, it's unique because you talk to these guys, this highly touted recruiting class, a lot about the rivalry and this game and that Montana has had the upper hand. We are supposed to beat these guys. So there's a lot of pressure from the Montana angle, too, that, hey, we can't let these guys come in. I can tell you there's a lot of pressure in both camps this week. I think that they would never tell you this, but in a week from now, if there's a split here, I think both coaches would maybe take it and move on. But if somebody does sweep, it it will be very significant. It's true. It's so interesting analyzing this thing through the lens of the league, too and the league standings in the league race, and then overlaying it with football. In football, since the streak was broken in 2002 when the Cats won in Missoula, the rivalry game has been for a playoff berth on at least one side, and almost every single year, both sides could either win an in or lose an out, or maybe, I mean, like last year, or in 2019, I should say, it was win or lose, you're in. But either way, the winner of the Cacarez game has gone to the playoffs and a lot of times has then eliminated the other team from the playoffs as well. Uh, and so there's this this ultimate feel to it, this climactic feel to it, whereas this, although it is uh, impactful, it's not like football where even if you win two or lose two, 
you still have 18 other conference games. And the other fact of the matter is that these two programs have just never, they've not been on the same plane since that McDurham team hosted the Big Sky Tournament and then Don Holst made the unexpected run as the 60 to go to the NCAA Tournament. Since then, though, it has been nowhere close to the same. I mean, Montana is the premier program in the conference, and Montana State has just been stuck in fifth place. And, and let's just stem it back to everything with the Jeff Choate news because it does, this does stem back to it where Choate changed the narrative where it's not an upset anymore. Sure. No matter what happens here, I, I, if Montana State comes into Missoula and wins on Thursday, it's an upset win. Sure. It still is in my eyes. If sure. they come to Dahlberg and can pull off the victory for the first time in quite a while. And you're right because... That's, the, you're just talking broadly from the trends though, right? Because yeah. from an actual matchups perspective... Montana State has several of the advantages, including just having the veterans in the backcourt. If we went matchup by matchup, for sure, you'd probably say that more trend towards Montana State. I, I have a weird feeling, and this is going to be one of those when it pops up. I bet you the Grizzlies are favored on Thursday, and a oh, lot of people. I, I are, think so. And a lot of people are going to so. go, huh? Six and zero against three and no, five. No, no, I, I think so. I, I think so for sure. Um, well, let's talk about the matchups. And it is Nuanas now. Riley Corker joining me, Coulter Nuanas, right here in studio. Uh, 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide, SWX Montana Television. Let's start with the backcourt matchup. The Bobcats have two of the most explosive and athletic and dynamic guards in the league. I think that Amin Adamu um, is – I'm trying to think of – I'm trying to go rapid fire through my head of everybody in the league. But I think that he's the most unorthodox and then subsequently one of, the, one of if not the toughest matchups in the league because he's a six foot five guard who jumps out of the gym – who's fast, who guards, who's dynamic, but he also plays an unorthodox game. He takes a lot of bad shots because he takes a lot of pull-up 12 to 15-footers, but sometimes he makes a lot of bad shots. And when he makes all the bad shots, and I, you can't say it's a bad shot if he made it, but he was like getting that 12-foot mid-range all day against Northern Colorado, and he scored 37 points, so he can absolutely go off. But Xavier Bishop is also tremendous. Both those guys averaging 16 points per game. They're the highest-scoring backcourt duo in the league. Montana, tremendously talented in the backcourt, Tremendously young in the backcourt. Their lead three guards are a sophomore, Josh Vasquez, and a pair of true freshmen, Robbie Beasley and Brandon Whitney. So what do you think of the matchup between the backcourts? Well, I, I think let's just put the freshmen against the seniors. That's what it is. You have the youth movement of Montana with Whitney and Beasley, guys that have the talent that you have seen what they're capable of. And boy, when they're on, and if they're both on at the same time, I think they do have the capability of a Bishop and an Adamu. I really do, uh, as far as if they're both on in the same night. For the Grizzlies, and you can look at their record, it's a direct reflection of that. They have not had guys on the same night and together, whereas Montana State has. I mean, Bishop and Adamu, 6th and 7th in the Big Sky in scoring. They're consistent uh, of what you want to expect from a backcourt. And I think that this might be, for the first time, and you would have better perspective on this than me, but in the seven years under Coach DeCure, this is the first time that the backcourt would be advantage Montana State coming into this. And the question to me, the big, the big factor in all of this is going to be Montana's defense against yep. these two guards. How yep. are they going to defend? Are they going to try and take one of them away? Because we've talked a lot about Adamu, but Bishop, to me, is kind of the headliner. I mean, B- sure. Bishop's the headliner here. So sure. is it Coach DeCure, we need to stop Bishop, let Adamu beat you? Is it more of, no, we need to limit both of them? Because that is probably the number one question from an X's and O's standpoint. How do you see the backcourts here? Because it is, to me, it's, it's the two seniors, the two freshmen, kind of dueling it out, and uh, we'll see what it goes, how it goes. My number one piece of analysis for this, uh, for the Grizz, is to see how much the Grizz young guys have grown. The Grizz young backcourt got eaten up at Southern Utah. That's why they. it was the number one defining factor of why Southern Utah swept the Grizz 
right out the gates, and it's the reason why their goods have been behind the eight ball in the Big Sky Conference race since then. That wasn't that unpredictable, though. You got two senior guards going against two freshmen that are playing their second and third respectively college games ever. Now these guys have played, what have the girls played now? 15. 12, 15 games. So these guys have played 15 games. They're halfway through their freshman seasons. They're sophomores. They're in the middle of conference play. So how much are the Grizz guards um, grown? The other thing is that there's some teams in college basketball where they just, quote-unquote, do what they do. They don't alter based on matchups. Well, if you're going to press Montana State, then you're going to give up 91 like UNLV did. You're gonna. I know that the Cats didn't actually blow the doors off offensively against Portland State, but they did score in the mid-70s. And... Uh, I guess what I'm saying is, if you press Xavier Bishop, he's going to beat your press. And I, Montana doesn't press that much. They run the great, their great half court trap, and the, you know the high hedge and the, all the ball screen stuff. But if you, if Montana does such a good job of making you be deliberate offensively to beat them, and that's a weakness for the Cats because these guys need to run, gun, and slash. It's not necessarily about the execution. But then that brings us to our next matchup, though. The reason that although Adamu and um, Bishop are not necessarily these uh, exceptional half-court type traditional point guards or just you know on-ball guards, the Cats still can't operate in the half-court, and that's because, first of all, they're both good at penetrating, but more importantly, they have a true big. They have one of the best bigs in the league in Jabril Bello, and that's where they run their offense through when they're not running and gun, and they get it to Jabril Bello. I think I saw the other day something like in his two years at Montana State, I think 70% of his made field goal pers- or made field goals excuse me, have been on dunks. So he, he shoots high-percentage shots. That, to me, is going to be the key match with this game. Jabril Bello has been good, uh, and sometimes really good. And he's very rarely been really bad unless he is in foul trouble. Michael Stedman has run the gamut so far this year with the Grizzlies. He has, at times, been completely absent, just completely non uh, does not contribute. I mean, he, he hardly— Last many, weekend. What did he play, 13 minutes last weekend? 13 like, minutes in a 15-minute game, yeah. Yeah, so— um, but then sometimes he's been great. Right? He had 19 and 10 against Northern Colorado, and that was a key to that win. So what do you think of that matchup? I think that, to me, is where the bread's going to be buttered for both of these squads because it's the consistency of a Michael Stedman up against a, a Bello. Can he stay in the game? We all know what happened in the game in Missoula last year. He picked up early foul trouble, and Jabril Bello was a ghost in the contest. I think if either one of these big men do get into foul trouble, you're going to see the other coach absolutely attack the paint consistently in and out. And Stedman, it's been a mystery a little bit. And I think that that losing 30 pounds before the season, I think it's worth the question of asking, is that a good thing for him at this point? Because he has shown the capability of being a double-double type performer in the big sky. And you look at it, the most telling stat and everything for Michael Stedman, when the Grizzlies win, he averages 16 points per game. When the Grizzlies lose, he averages seven points per game. I mean, they kind of go as he does, and that's frustrating at some points, but um, I think that Jabril Bello, his size, is he going to try and body down Michael Stebbin? Is that kind of his DNA? Uh, because the Battle of the Big Men is going to be fascinating. I have, unfortunately, and you've witnessed this as well, tried to hype myself up for a big-time, big-man matchup in Big Sky Conference play, and what usually happens? Someone gets in foul trouble. Dude, if it, the refs do this oh, to us, I, I might freak out. I hope you do because you know what? They'll be able to hear you on Thursday. <laughs> no if you, I can't yell God. at them. So if that happens from your perch up there, be like, 
Let them play. Just let them play. Let them play. They're, when you have an opposing big man that you hardly ever get to play with, it's going to be physical. Just let it happen. Let it happen. Nuwana's down. we got to get out. Anthony Nackreiner is coming on the other side. He's a Tampa Bay Bucks guy's from Tampa. And we already even get some high school hoops out of him as well. We also finished this matchup conversation. Riley Corcoran in studio with me. 1029 ESPN Missoula. Stay wide. SWX Montana. Coulter, obviously, if people are traveling, you got to have them stay somewhere else, not with you. That's true even when COVID isn't going on, and especially now. So you send them out to the Wingate. We know that. That's obvious. What you might not know is about all the meeting space they have out there, convention space, and even personal office space, because God knows I can't stand being with you any much longer. I'm going out there. I'm going to lock up my own personal office at the Wingate. You can do the same thing. If you need a business space, whether it's for yourself personally or you're just tired of doing Zoom meetings, you just want to see other humans, but you want to be socially distanced, the Wingate has great business meeting rooms. You can space out. They have all the hookups and technology you're going to need for any sort of meeting or presentation. Or if you're like Ryan and you just want to have a place where you can work in peace and quiet, the Wingate Inn also a great option for those that live and work around Western Montana and the city of Missoula. If you have anybody coming through town or you want to get your kids out of the house, Wingate also has awesome rooms, great business rates. The pool is back open. They've done a great job of making sure that's going to be safe for you and your family. The Wingate Inn, located in Missoula, it's an excellent option for business travelers, local business people, or anybody coming through the city of Missoula. Let the Wingate Inn make you feel at home even when you're not. Special January promo going on by the Wingate by Wyndham right now as well. If you stay two nights in January of 2021, you get a free growler and a fill card for Big Sky Brewing. Big Sky Brewing just right across the way from the Wingate. So if you book, all you got to do is book through the hotel directly. Google Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula, limited to one free beaker per customer, but stay two nights, January 2021, free growler and fill card from Big Sky Brewing, and tell them Nuan is now sent you. Looking at my over when suddenly it changes, violently it changes, Welcome back. Nuan is now 1029 ESPN Missoula Statewide, SWX Montana Television. Scott Cruz coming up this weekend. If you need a place to watch the games, they're going to be going simultaneously. So you're going to probably want to go somewhere because it's a little hard to do it on your TV. Uh, but you can find them on the Silver Slipper. They have 55 TVs for you to watch all the action, whether it's NFL, college football, or Big Sky Conference basketball. Silver Slipper will have it on for you. Drink specials every day and night. 20 Kino machines, a liquor store, and Tarantino's Pizza. There's nowhere else you should be watching your favorite team. Stop by today to see why the Silver Slipper is one of Montana's best-kept secrets. We're going out to the Rangish Brothers RV phone line. Welcome in our good buddy from up in the Flathead Valley, Anthony Knockreiner of KGEZ. He hosts, hosts the Knockout Sports. I'll be on there here in a little while. But, Anthony, thanks so much for being with us, and we'll get right to it because I know you got a tight window here. First of all, I love seeing the joy in your face when you're posting the videos <laughs> of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning and you're drinking your rum and you got your jersey on and it's just great. It's great and to the see hat. Don't forget the and hat. the hat. It's great to see somebody so happy. So first of all, my friend, congratulations. Your initial reactions to Tampa leading Tampa to the Super Bowl. I honestly thought that when and if at the time that Tampa Bay beat the Green Bay Packers, I'd be running out of my house screaming, doing snow angels in the backyard. But all I did was just like, just, I stood for the entire game. So I just like sat down and was just stunned. Cause like, I'm like, okay, I, I thought this would be at best to get to the Super Bowl with Tom Brady. 
in our first year in pandemic year, that seems like a really, really big long shot. But the fact that it actually happened, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe my eyes that Tampa Bay actually was going to go to the Super Bowl, be the first team to host a Super Bowl. I mean, I thought I'd have a different reaction, but I just kind of sat there with a smile on my face and just happily stunned that my favorite team, the team I am most fanatical about, the team I lose the most logical sense about, uh, they're going to the Super Bowl. Well, I think everybody has, everyone has to have a team like that, right? Where you're just invested so much in it, where you kind of live and hang on the wins and losses, Anthony. And I've got a twofold question for you. Number one, how surprised were you first off that Tom Brady decided to go to Tampa. And number two, I said this on the show yesterday, it kind of had the feel of that Tampa was laying the groundwork this year to make a run maybe next year, that maybe they had a two-, three-year window here for Brady. From someone that follows the team more closely, is that kind of how you thought it was too? Or was it more of, hey, no, we're going all for broke this year? What was maybe the perspective and the the expectations from a passionate fan going into it? Well, for one, to answer your first question, I was very surprised. Like, I never thought Tom Brady would leave New England. I just thought they put more emphasis and be like, okay, hey, we need to go make some trades, and maybe they finally start opening up that pocketbook up in uh, Boston. But apparently that didn't happen. So I'm glad that Tampa Bay was able to get him. He's a huge improvement over Jameis Winston in the 30 interceptions, and I don't even know how many pick sixes uh, at this point. Um, but, I mean, it's just great to have Tom Brady. I mean, you see what he does for our organization. I mean, not only does it legitimize the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because – Let's face it, we know Tampa Bay's been a joke the last decade and a half. They haven't been relevant since the days of Warren Sapp and Derek Brooks. And so Tom Brady legitimizes this organization. It brings attention to two guys that I think need to be talked about a heck of a lot more. And I'm glad they don't have to worry about going to the stupid Pro Bowl because guess what? These guys should have been on the Pro Bowl list. That's Levante David and Devin White. Those guys benefit tremendously from Tom Brady being in Tampa because more eyes are on those two guys. And you know what? I think they were going off for broke this year. I mean, Timmy's got some cap room next year, but Chris Godwin's a free agent. We got to lock him up. Shaq Barrett is also in a contract year. I don't know if we keep Sue next year, but there's some guys that have to get paid. I don't know how that's going to work, but you weren't sure if the same roster was going to be able to get back together again and try and make a run next year. At the same time, you're going for history here. Nobody else in 55 Super Bowls has hosted and been in the Super Bowl. And so a chance for Tampa Bay to be able to do this and make history on top of that. Uh, I, I said this in the video, you know, because Tampa Bay always comes up on trivia night. If it's a sports-related question, uh, who's the only team that started 0-27 in the NFL? Well, guess what? That question gets buried. No longer comes up. Because Tampa Bay now has to be the trivia question. Who's the only team in the NFL to ever host the Super Bowl and play in it? And that's the Buccaneers. I'm glad you brought up the point about – it's Anthony Knockrider, by the way, from KGEZ up in Kalispell joining us. And I'm glad you brought up the point about the supporting cast here because, of course, and this is one thing that I just despise about the way that the national media covers the NFL, of course the story is all about Tom Brady. And he's absolutely uh, injected this franchise with great energy and leadership. And he had a couple clutch moments on Sunday. He also threw three picks. And to me, uh, there's a lot of other stories that were key factors in Tampa Bay moving on, including the pass rush, including the great defense. And so I think that those guys, they do deserve a ton of credit. I mean, to me... For right now, I think half the teams in the NFL run 3-4 defenses. If you're looking at the teams that run 3-4s, the best pair of inside linebackers in the NFL, and it's not close, are Devin White and Delavante David. Those guys are unbelievable. They're unreal. They're so talented. This pass rush, it reminds me of the New York Giants 
of the late 2000s when that was the key. And Eli Manning got all the credit, but really it was Justin Tuck and Jason Pierre-Paul and Michael Strahan and all those guys that led the New York Giants to those two Super Bowls. So, I mean, how much of a factor do you think that all the rest of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers deserve for this, Anthony? I mean, it seems like they're not maybe getting enough credit as they head into the Super Bowl. They deserve all the credit. I mean, listen, Tom did a great job getting us the lead. I mean, just getting the offense back on the field and, and going for it, going for the touchdown with eight seconds left, that, that essentially wins us the game and goes up 21-10. Uh, and then obviously, you know, you, you, you cause a fumble. Jordan Whitehead, not enough credit for him because he was lighting people up. And that speaks even more to that defense, that the fact that we played the second half almost without our starting safeties. I mean, we didn't have Antoine Winfield for the whole game, and then Whitehead goes out as well. Uh, hopefully we can get both of those guys back to the Super Bowl. We're going to need them against Mahomes. Um, but this defense deserves a lot more credit there than they're going to get than they're going to get um, because it took a whole bunch of those guys. You mentioned the, mentioned the pass rush. Uh, Vita Vea was huge. And it was. And I, I'll tell you what, I was so elated when Vita Vea was able to play in the NFC Championship game. I was not thrilled when we picked him a couple of years ago from the University of Washington, but he is such a difference maker for our pass rush. When you look at the middle of the year, we just really weren't able to get guys to get up the field in the middle, in the interior, and really force quarterbacks to go outside because – Usually they've been able to kind of just squirt right through and up the middle. Having Vea was huge this this past Sunday against Green Bay because that really put Vea in the lap of Aaron Rodgers, and then all of a sudden here comes JPP and Shaq Barrett. That defense deserves a lot more credit than they're going to get because obviously Tom Brady, the 10 Super Bowls, leading Tampa Bay to this point considering we were a 7-9 ball club and all the, the things that go with it. But this defense has been key. And, you all, I mean, you do need to give Tom Brady some credit here, too. I mean, he looked and evaluated the roster because he could have gone to the Chargers. He didn't. He picked the better team, and he's got a great defense. And he's got a whole bunch of guys that deserve to be on – deserve to be pro bowlers, in my opinion, the way this team's played. And Carlton Davis. Yeah, Devontae Adams does get a touchdown. Yeah, he racked up some yards. But Carlton's been a really key guy for us. We know we can't leave him alone with uh, Tyreek Hill going into the Super Bowl. I think uh, Todd Bowles will have something for them. And it's, it's, if they're going to get their yards, they're going to get their uh, touches and everything else, it's going to be really tough to really slow down or shut down the Kansas City Chiefs. But this defense deserves a ton of credit, and they're going to be the reason why we win the Super Bowl. Uh, because what they, what they have done from the regular season into the playoffs and how they have played outside of the Washington game in the wild card round, this defense took it up another level. Anthony Knockrider, KGEZ, up in Kalispell. He's joining us. He hosts the Knock on Sports. It's upcoming. Do yourself a favor, my friend. Go watch Vita Vea's high school highlight tape. He played running back. He also was a state placer in the 100-meter dash. He's one of the silliest athletes I've ever seen in my life. And this was not like he was a super skinny boy back then. He was still a good 280. This is... uh, this is a large man coming downhill at you. Well, and I remember he played against the Grizzlies a couple years ago when, when Montana went out to Seattle. And, man, was he a difference maker then. You you get the rumblings, the first-round draft pick to see him contribute so early. Uh, pretty impressive and especially impactful. Anthony, we know that you have to go get to your show. But I did I did catch one thing there in your final answer. You said win the Buccaneers win. So my final question to you is, what do you think of the early matchup against the defending Super Bowl champs in Kansas City? But it sounds like you're feeling pretty good about it. Uh, listen, it's going to be a tough matchup. As a Bucks fan, I'm still kind of just in the moment because, I mean, listen, it was a long time. It's been a long time. Last time Tampa Bay was in the Super Bowl, I was 13 years old. 
Uh, I'm now 31. So I'm going to relish this fact that my team is in the Super Bowl. Next year's no guarantee. Tom Brady doesn't look like he's slowing down at all. But again, I'm not going to take this for granted. Win or lose, I'm going to be happy because Tampa Bay made history. We did something that nobody thought we could do. Yeah, there were people that thought we were definitely a contender, but to actually do it, to take down the Green Bay Packers. I mean, you look at the path Tom Brady's taken, and if he does win the Super Bowl, an even progressive path. You're talking about taking down essentially three Hall of Famers and a guy that's probably going to pay play the next 15 years as a backup quarterback. Taking down Drew Brees, taking down Aaron Rodgers, uh, impossibly taking down uh, Patrick Mahomes. That's a heck of a list to try and win your seventh world title. Uh, so I, I've got confidence because I think this team can do a lot of great things. They're a very talented roster. We'll see how healthy everyone can get. Uh, obviously, you know, I think one thing that does help, I mean, Listen, Tampa was only down three with four minutes to play. We just couldn't get that stop against Kansas City, which a lot Cleveland knows all about last weekend. And so uh, I, I do have some confidence because this team played very well for three quarters. Outside of the 21 points we spotted in uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs for those Tyree Kill touchdowns, we played a much better game afterwards. And so I do have some confidence. The fact that their offensive tackles aren't there, that's going to be huge for Shaq Barrett and JPP and our blitzers as well. So that does give me a little more confidence as we go into the Super Bowl. But I, I'm just excited either way. I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be fantastic. The biggest question I have is whether or not they're going to let us shoot the cannons because I love Raymond James Stadium and the partnership. <laughs> and I, hey, we get the, when we get in the red zone, we get three shots. And then when it's a touchdown or a field goal, how many other points we get out of it. So I, I want to see us be able to use that uh, pirate ship. I'm wondering if the NFL will let us. I hope they do. Anthony Knockrider, KGEZ, up in Kalispell. He hosts the Knockout Sports every weekday. I'll be joining him in about 038 minutes for our uh, great listeners around Western Montana or around the state of Montana. You can always find Anthony's stuff on the podcast, too. they got a live stream podcast, all that. So even if you're out of market and you can't get it on the terrestrial radio, you can also go hit up the podcast. And uh, please rate, review, subscribe. You heard it here first, boys and girls. Bet the house on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Anthony, congratulations. We're happy for you. And uh, we'll be uh, – I don't, I don't know if I can say I'm rooting along because I could never root for Tom Brady in anything. But I'm happy for you, my friend, and I will talk to you briefly here on the Knock on Sports. Thanks so much for joining us. It is Nuanas Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula Statewide, SWX Montana Television, marching through your Tuesday. It's almost hump day. Hope everybody out there is having a fine evening. Back to the Cat Grizz matchups, Riley. couple more. Mike Hood for Montana State, has established himself as one of the more explosive scorers off the bench. Montana, their bench has been, uh, it's hard to evaluate because they have had so many different guys come off of the bench. Right. If Kyle Owens is their sixth man, Kyle Owens is the best reserve in the league because Kyle Owens is one of the, uh, the better players in the league. So, uh, I mean, last, you know, I, I said this on This Week in Big Sky Basketball, which will be out tomorrow through the conference, but we do a little... Uh, portion that's just about who had the bench, best bench performances of the of the weekend and I said well there's no question on the men's side it was Montana they had 55 bench points part of that's because they brought their leading scorer off the bench and he scored a career high 23 points but Robbie Beasley had 17 points off the bench Mac Anderson had 12 points off the bench so uh, Montana's bench has been good I don't know who's going to come off the bench who's going to represent the bench core but Montana State, Mike Hood, Borja Fernandez they've both been good off the bench as well so what do you think of just the matchups of the reserves? I think this really just goes to a depth perspective, right? And a depth question of who has more depth right now. And I think when it comes to the Grizz, yes, they had 10 straight games with the same starters. They've mixed it up the last two. 
not knowing who is going to start on Thursday, I would go maybe a different route. And because I think this guy, he hasn't really gotten the headlines the last couple of games. He has just steadily improved. And Coach Takir said it to me earlier today that this is their most improved player from the start of the season to now, and that's Cam Parker. He is the X factor, I think, in what the Grizzlies are trying to do. Why is he the X factor? Why did they go to three guards? Well, he's that third guard. Sure. He is the one that is making it go. He is the one that can pass it off, distribute to everyone else, and he has come off the bench. He's capable of scoring 20 sure. points a game. He leads the league in assist-to-turnover ratio, yep. despite yep. being seventh on the team in minutes. Yep. I mean, that's impressive in its own right. So, although it might not be from a straight scoring punch, I think that Cam Parker is maybe that missing link, or Cam Parker can be the X factor um, for the Grizzlies. But back to a point that you said yesterday, and I think this is so key and where both of these teams are at right now. Now, role-defining and accepting your role. Montana State is there, yep. and that's why they're 6-0. and yep. Montana is not, and that's yep. why they're 3-5. and five. Can Montana overcome that? Can Montana realize that? Those, are th- those, to me, are some of the most fascinating questions of the weekend, especially pertaining to the bench. No question, and uh, it goes, it harkens back. A tease for Danny Sprinkle. I talked to him this morning. We'll play that interview for you on Thursday, but he actually said he thought that Camp Parker was the straw that stirs the drink too, so he sees it. You know, okay. he sees the the catalyst that Camp Parker can be. Um, we don't really have time to get into the coaching matchup, and I don't really think there's much analysis actually to be had. Travis Secure is a multiple time Big Sky Conference Coach of the Year, multiple time Big Sky Conference champion, and has established himself as uh, among, if not the premier coaches in the Big Sky Conference. Whereas Danny Sprinkles is in his second year at Montana State, although he's doing a hell of a job with MSU. But it's a big game for Danny Sprinkle because if he can knock off Coach Takir, that will fortify his reputation big time. But Travis Takir, he's dominated this rivalry. And on the flip side of it, Danny Sprinkle, Mike Petrino, kind of in the same boat. One win over your rival would be very big this weekend. No question. Nuana is now Riley Corcoran. Thanks for being here this week, my man, Sean Rainey, and through you tomorrow. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.